If you want to contact me, or if you want me to read something, or even if you just have any questions about myself or the book, you can email me at moonthenightwing12 at gmail.com. The email will be in the description. Now back to the book. There will be a question linked to this episode in the description, so check it out and respond if you can. Thank you. Chapter 3, Wings of Fire, Moon Rising Moon couldn't handle a mystery mind wars and a new school full of noisy dragons all at the same time. She shoved her worries about the voice to the back of her head and tried instead to wrestle with the exhausting energy radiating off King Kaju. Where are we going? Moon asked as Moon asked the Wing as they headed along the tunnel, past all the sleeping caves, away from the Great Hall. She wondered if she had brought she should have brought her school map. Today's an exploring day, Kinkashu said with authority. They want every day to be kind of an exploring day. That's the idea of the school. Find out what you're interested in and explore it. I'm interested in going back to my mother, Moon thought. Can I explore that? They? she echoed instead. The Dragonette's a destiny, although they don't want anyone to call them that anymore. But what are we supposed to call them? The founders of the school? That makes sense, I get, too, I guess. But that makes them sound like they're perfectly ancient, like old slabs of rock way under the mountain. I'm really good friends with them, she continued, as dark, as streaks of dark purple shot through her scales. Especially Queen Glory. We're practically best friends. They knew I wouldn't be able to read the announcements everywhere. I mean, not yet. So Sunny and Clay explained their whole plan to me ahead of time. Announcements? Moon paused to look around and saw a rectangular board made of dark rock hanging under one of the torches. A note was written on it in chalk. Welcome to Jade Acad- Mountain Academy. Feel free to explore the whole school today and every day. Everything is for you. Food is available in the play center. Talk to Clay if you'd like to sign up for hunting parties. Please come to see us any to see any of us anytime with questions or requests or worries or anything. More information about tomorrow will be posted tonight. Small group discussion classes will begin in the morning. Have a wonderful day. What's a small group discussion class? Moon wondered. It's exactly what it sounds like, Kiju said. Come on, come on. He tugged on Moon's wings impatiently, and the physical contact flooded Moon with Kinkaju's radiant excitement. Kinkaju bounded up a side corridor lined with hanging scrolls. As she followed, Moon saw that each scroll had a quote on it. She didn't have time to read them all, but she saw, Knowledge is the flame in the darkness, and the claws of war are no match for the wings of wisdom. At the end, they turned into a space full of in- iridescent green sunlight. It was like stepping into a dream. Scrolls were everywhere, simply everywhere, and cubby holes along the walls and more racks and cylinders around the caves. Every corner had a spot to curl up and read in, sometimes a rock ledge, sometimes a pile of moss or an arrangement of carpets. Only one reader was in there, a quiet-looking mudwing with a scroll curled on some reeds. She didn't look up as they came in. The only image Moon got from her mind was something like ripples on the mud puddle. Sunbeams filtered down through the skylights in the roof, and windows along each windows along one wall. Each of the holes were covered with something thin enough to let the light through, but strong enough to keep the wind and weather out. Moon tilted her head back and studied the closest one. Emerald green, with traces of veins branching through it. Leaves? she whispered. Sunny and Glory got them in the rainforest, Kinkashu said proudly. We use them sometimes as a roost for 
our rainwing houses. Aren't they perfect for the library windows? Hi, Starflight! She bounded over to a circular wooden desk in the center that was labeled Librarian. A dark head popped up from behind the desk. Hey, King Kaiju! The blind knight leaned forward with a smile as King Kaiju brushed his claws with hers. Is that Moon with you? Hi, Moon said shyly. There's nothing ever hurtful in Starflight's thoughts. His brains were always busy, busy, busy. But he never thought of her as not a real Nightwing or dangerous and untrustworthy. He was like her, an outsider in his own tribe. And he liked squirrels, too. She could hear the back of his mind ticking through all the things he still needed to do to get the library complete, completely ready. But he smiled in direction of her voice. He's your library stamp, he said, sliding something out from under the desk. I thought you might come by today. Library stamp? Moon echoed curiously, taking it from him. It was a small rectangle rectangle of wood, as long as two claws, with her name carved backwards in raised letter in raised letters on one side. We're testing on a system, he said. I'll show you. He brushed his towns over a row, row, row of scrolls lined up under his desk. Moon spotted a name carved at the wooden end of each one, arranged alphabetically. Starflight touched them lightly until he felt hers, which he pulled out and partially enrolled. The scroll was completely blank. Whenever you want to borrow a scroll, you bring it up here, to me. Each one has a unique carved stamp on the end, like these do. I stamp your name I stamp your name scroll with the with that end to show that you've checked it out. And then when you bring it back bring it in, we stamp your card over the first image to show that it's been returned. Does that make sense? I think so, Moon said. She turned the stamp over in her claws. She never had something that was really her own before. Can she have a pouch to keep it in? King Gaju asked. Of course. Starflight fumbled under the desk again for a few minutes, then pulled out a soft black leather pouch on a silver chain. Moon slipped the stamp inside the pouch and put the chain over her neck. It felt like her very first treasure. Thank you, she said. Let me know if I can help you with any... Let me know if I can help you find anything, he said. She heard a flurry of worry, what ifs, start up in his mind, circling a well-worn track of anxiety about how to be blind, how to be a li- blind librarian. She also heard him firmly beat those worries back. He smiled in her direction again. I've been practicing to get the whole space memorized. Moon wondered how could how she, how she should ask for what she really needed. Do you have any scrolls about an- anonymous voices in your head? <clears throat> Sora, are you still here? Starflight asked, raising his voice a little. The mudwing by the windows lifted her head and nodded. He can't see you, Kikaju reminded her in a loud whisper. Yes, she is still here. Sorry, the brown dragon said softly. It's all right, Starflight said. The twin just sadness in his thoughts didn't spill into his voice. Sora, this is Kikaju and Moon. Sora's one of Clay's sisters. Ooh, Kikaju said. How does it feel to be related to someone famous? Probably a bit like being best friends with the queen, she answered herself, grinning ridiculously. Which I am, just incidentally. So, I mean, I totally get it. Sora's smile, Sora's smile was shy, and now Moon could sense tremors of anxiety in her that felt an awful lot like Moon's own fears. Clay's sister was as nervous about being here as Moon was. It was sort of reassuring, actually, to find someone scared as she was. Nice to meet you, Moon said. Maybe she could be my friend, too. Maybe Mother was right. Maybe I will meet dragons I like here. You too, Sora nearly whispered, rolling her scrolls between her tongues. Let's go to the music waiting next, King Yushu said. Or, ooh, I heard there's an old ghost living somewhere in J Mountain. Maybe we can find him. 
Moon's ears twitched. A ghost? Was she hearing the voice of a ghost? That would be unsettling. You're talking about Stone Mover, Starfight said, and he's not a ghost. He's Sunny's father, and he's perfectly nice old Nightwing who lives, who's lived here for ages. He sleeps a lot and doesn't need little dragonettes sneaking up on him or pouncing on his tail to find out if he's real. He does like company, though if you're interested in a polite conversation with him, I can tell you how to find him. Polite conversation, yawn, Tinkoju said with a shrug of her wings. You should tell everyone he's a ghost. That would be much more exciting. Not a ghost, but a real Nightwing, Moon thought. Maybe he's the one who can tell... Maybe he's the one who can talk in my head. She'd have to ask Starfight for directions later if she could work up the courage. Are you hungry, Moon? Kinkaju barreled on. I might be hungry. We could find the prey center. I haven't done that yet. Which, way's, which way to the prey center, Starfight? He stretched his desk slightly as if orient, orienting himself, and then pointed at one of the three corridors that led away from the library. Sora, you want to come? Kinkaju asked before Moon could think to invite the dragonette herself. The mudwing shook her head and buried her nose in her scroll again. All right, see you soon, Kinkaju called over her shoulder as they left. This passageway was slanted back down, and Moon thought out toward the open air. They passed a couple of branches, but Kinkaju barely glanced on them before continuing straight. After a few minutes, Moon caught the scent of living prey up ahead, and the jumble of several voices, both real-world and inside her head. Uh-oh. It was even worse than it sounded. The prey center was total chaos, the opposite of the serene, well-ordered library. It was a mammoth cave, open to the air on one side, looking out over a mossy, boulder-strewn slope, towering cliffs, and faraway peaks. And there was a low wall of rocks built across the bottom, built across the bottom of the opening. Useless against dragons, of course, but perfectly perfect for keeping prey trapped inside. A flash-flowing river swept along the wall opposite the opening, disappearing through the archway into the next cave. And there was prey all over the place. Shaggy, bleeding sheep, blundering helplessly under the dragon's tails, yelling in panic. Several speckled brown chickens, quails, and pheasants were racing around the floor, periodically bursting skyward in an explosion of feathers and squawks. In one corner, a fat black bear was scrying off with a dragonet twice its size, growling. Worse still, the cave was filled with shouting dragons. Most of them were mudwings, sandwings, and skywing dragonets who were gleefully trying to corner the rampaging chickens. They bellowed instructions at one another, yowled with the pheasants dodging them, shrieked hysterically when birds nearly flew up their snouts. At the same time, their minds were all shouting, worrying, planning, reacting, and it felt to Moon like hundreds of dragons talking to her at once. Clean, Clay, meanwhile, was standing on a, on a tall boulder in the middle of the cave, trying to shout over all the noise. Everyone, stop moving, he bellowed, especially you, chickens. Chickens, give up, or we're going to eat you. There's nothing you can do about it. Stop running away right now. Squawk! The chickens strolled back. Kinkaju spotted a small mountain of fruit piled near the river and darted over to it. Another ramming dragonet was there, picking through the auctions, and Kinkaju shouted something cheerfully at him. Moon hesitated, wishing she could sink right into the mountain and disappear. She was hungry, but it was so loud and horribly overwhelming in here. Maybe she could sneak back to her cave and wait to eat till the middle of the night. Surely it would be quieter then. But Kinkaju spotted her as she tried to sidle away. 
The raven flapped her wings wildly, beckoning, and finally Moon had to duck her head and swim over, hoping not to get hit by any chicken parts on her way. Moon, this is my friend Coconut, Kinkushi said. Thought he was my friend, shimmered through her mind. And Moon had a moment to wonder if Kinkushi did have a dark, bitter side after all, before Kinkushi added with three. At least I thought he was my friend until I got abducted by bad guys for three weeks and he didn't even notice I was gone. She poked him pointedly with her tail. Huh? Didn't I say I was sorry about that? Coconut mumbled around a mouthful of papaya. His scales were a a kind of quiet lavender blue and his eyes were sleepy. Or did I? Something like that? Mostly said, hmm, what? Every time I bring it up, Kingoju said. She turned to Moon. I'm going to learn to read eons before he does. What is it? Coconut said, asked mildly. Because I'm smart and you're not, Kingoju pointed out. That was implied, Coconut. It was a subtext. Right, he said, not in the least offended. Perhaps perhaps because he only seemed to be partially following the conversation. The mangoes are pretty good, he said to Moon. I was told to eat them first because they're all ripe. I like bananas better, but mangoes are fine. I don't particularly like coconuts, though. Ironically, Kingaju said. What? he said. See, she said to Moon, grinning. Moon nodded, unable to speak through the cacophony inside and outside her ears. At least Coconut's thoughts were slow and meaningless, although she thought she might go mad if she had to listen to them all day long. He passed her three mangoes and she sliced them open with her claws, the way she taught herself to do when she was alone in the rainforest during one of her mother's long absences. Whew! said a voice behind her. Moon jumped and nearly dropped her mangoes in the river. It's just me, Clay said to her kindly. I'm glad you found King Zhu. I thought you two would be a good match. You did? Moon thought with bewilderment. She couldn't see anything in common between her and the bubbly rain wing. Clay shooed a chicken away from the frequent glance around that Timon's gave. So, he said, my plan hasn't exactly gone as planned. Clay, this place is madness, King Zhu said with a laugh. I know, he said ruefully. We'll try something different tomorrow. I thought it'd be fun to bring in live prey and let everyone chase it around. So we did in our cave sometimes, growing up, when the guardians wanted us to practice hunting, but wouldn't let us go outside. But I guess it was more like mandible with five dragonets than 35. He wrinkled us snow at the nearest panic sheep, panicking sheep. King Zhu shook her head. I say, anyone who is gross enough to eat something that's alive and wriggling deserves to get pecked. You should take those dragon dragons out hunting with you and leave the rest of us here to enjoy our quiet, sensible fruit in peace. That's a good idea, Clay said. In the meanwhile, I'm, maybe I'll get Tsunami and see if she can help me calm things down. He gave Moon another reassuring smile and hurried out of the prey center. Moon heard the words quiet and peace and calm as if from a long, long way away. Through the raucous noise of the dragon's minds around her, she could sense something running towards the cave, something like a small thread of pure terror, so tiny it could be blown away in the breeze, but so intense she couldn't miss it, even in the howling game of emotions in the prey center. Who is that, and why is their mind so strange? There was no words to go along with the emotions, and there was something fuzzy about it. Could it be a really young dragonette? She lifted her head and turned to watch for it. But as she did, a vast icicle of cold fury stabbed through her brain, and she staggered bash, back, crushing the mangoes in her talons with an involuntary convulsion. Bright yellow-orange pulp spattered all over Hinka Zhu and Coconut, and 
the rocks around them. King Azu let out a startled yelp before Moon could apologize or even get speech back under her control. A louder commotion erupted near one of the tunnels. Catch it! Moin! It's mine! I claim it! It went that way! All the mudwings and skywings abandoned their chickens at once and bolted over to the side of the cave. Moon felt the thread of fear twist higher and brighter as if it had been set on fire. And then a small shape shot between the dragons and came pelting across the cave, dodging sheep, chicken, sheep and chicken, and Moon saw what everyone was chasing. A scavenger. She read about them and seen drawings, but she never encountered a real scavenger before. She never... She never given them much thought, apart from stealing the sandwing treasure and killing Queen Oasis 20 years ago. They were just creatures who happened to live on the same planet as the dragons. But suddenly, this one was right here and blazing in her mind as bright as any dragon. She saw it spot the sheep and chickens, including the ones that had been caught and half-eaten already, and she saw it stumble as a bolt of despair went through it. Why can't I feel the scavenger's fear but nothing from the sheep or chickens, she wondered. Aren't they the same? The icy anger she felt before swept into the cave like an avenging blizzard, an ice wing, pale blue as frozen as the ocean, with glittering scales like overlapping chips of ice. He stormed through the yelling crowds of dragons who were still trying to find the scavenger underfoot, and Moon realized he was chasing the little animal as well. The scavenger didn't stand a chance. He fled into the worst possible place. Someone in the prey center was definitely going to catch and meet him, and Moon would have to feel his awful terror as it happened. She couldn't watch it die. She couldn't let that happen to something so scared and so helpless and alive and alone and clearly aware of what was about to happen to it. Moon bolted over to the scavenger, cut it off as it tried to dodge around her, darted left to block its retreat, and deftly snatched it up in her claws. It's all right, she whispered to it. I'm not going to hurt you. It did no good. The scavenger's heart-breaking fear buzzed even more clearly in her mind. Now that she was holding it, it put its little paws over its head, curled into a ball between her talons. Silence slowly spread across the cave. Moon looked up and found the ice swing, only inches away, glaring at her with dark blue eyes. Ice swing, he thought with a flash of vicious hatred that made her wince. He he hissed slowly, exhaling a hint of deadly frost breath in the air between them. You have ten seconds to give me back my scavenger, he snarled before I slice your face off.